my name is Jessica, and today I'm going to be reading from Colossians chapter 2, starting from verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and establish the faith just as you were taught, unbounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes a captive through philosophy and empty decree according to the human tribulation, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you are circumcised with the spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with him in baptism. You were also raised with him through the faith and the power of God resting from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome. My name is William Mawell. It's now coming to two years since my family and I joined Knox family, and we are excited to be part of, it, part of it. I am one of the international students at Fuller Theological Seminary, and I'm excited that this is uh, my last quarter for this degree, Master of Arts in the Cultural Studies. I'm so happy to be sharing the Word of God, and thank you so much for the opportunity, Knox family. Shall we pray together? Father, we thank you for your love. And we thank you for an opportunity just to be before you, just to hear you, and just to have the warmth of getting the blessings that comes with sharing and listening to your word. We pray that your word will encourage us, will enrich us, will challenge us, will build us up together, and even will rebuke us. We pray that this happens just for your glory. Father, I'm just but a vessel. May you use me. May your name be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. This last Sunday, I got a text from one of my nephews. Well, I'm not saying names. I have lots of nephews back in Kenya. And he sent a text, and just it was just a wonderful time that we had with him. Or rather, we have been having with him as we sent text back and forth. And for this one, I found this one a little bit special, and I want to share it with us. And this is what it said, I quote, Hancock, I am running into some doctrine of divine health and wealth. Believe it and claim it, and then you've got it. As I listen to someone, especially by YouTube and Twitter, I feel the spirit move. Such sermons are from preachers, which when I look at their lives, they seem good lives, they seem flourishing. 
It looks good for me when I listen to such gospel, but I'm still confused. He went ahead and said, then you know how crazy things have been from the start of this year, especially with COVID-19. I'm running into some people who say that at the moment, it's all about the birth pains, which are beginning and rapture is just by the door. It's happening soon. And again, on the other side, some people are saying, no, it's not about rapture, which is coming soon. It's about a soon coming revival, which is gonna sweep the entire world. And I look at this and I'm still confused. I know that God is not a God of confusion, but you know what, Ango? I'm, I'm confused. Well, just like the Colossae Church, it feels like the Christian life is a journey that often gets chaotic with both internal and external challenges or threats that not only threaten the survival of our faith, but also throw us into some form of spiritual quagmire. Come to think of it, philosophical, cultural, religious, political, and otherwise ideologies that seem to present a competing story or even voice against Christian faith, or if you want, Christ himself. Have you ever felt like Christian faith is being rendered, your Christian faith is being rendered obsolete, irrelevant, outdated? Not just in the marketplace or at your working place, but even in churches and in Christian homes where life is lived. Have you ever left, uh, felt like your Christian faith is being rendered. Uh, have, you, have you been in a place where the story of Christ feels like a myth in a world of better options? Better options. Like quick fix and self-sufficiency, which is promised by technology today. I remember doing a weekend challenge in one of, one of the high schools in the city of Nairobi. And I was in the company of Bible school students. And we just went to discuss, to, you know, we had a wonderful discussion with the students, over a thousand students. And our discussion was about the work of Christ on the cross. We talked about the cost of discipleship. We talked about uh, uh, wonderful Christian things like, you know, justice, holiness, righteousness, and all these things were part of our discussion. We were really uh, particular. We, 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 were, we were so much involved in wanting to engage the so-called postmodern culture, it's the culture of relativism, a culture of sensationalism, where nothing is, uh, is absolute. It's just like saying, you know, if you want, or if you like it, crown it. A culture that says, well, if it's good with me, then it's okay, it doesn't matter. Oh my gosh, 
Guess what happened in our discussion? This brave, charming young girl, she was immediately on the microphone. She was one of the students and she was so brave and she stood up just to challenge what we were discussing. And she said, you guys, I think you're arguing like people from the past century. All those things that you're telling us not to do, that's all we are doing every day. That's our life. Stop infringing into our rights and freedom. Give us a break. Wow, we felt like our faith was at stake. At that particular time, I remember we were also convicted to examine our approach. I mean, there are these moments when you feel like, wait a minute, I think I need to harm myself with my apologetic and biblical criticism skills. I need, I need to take a class on that just to be able to engage with issues in the world. That's how we felt. Remember, we are just Bible students. Well, maybe you're just watching this movie and you are out there, out and about. I mean, and you know, you hear all these things. Maybe someone talking about Christ and how they think that he cannot be God and he cannot be man or humanity at the same time. He cannot be both. Someone is also telling you that, you know what? Uh, I think Jesus, he was, when he was in this, in this world, I think he even had an, an affair with Mary Magdalene. You've heard all these things. And sometimes you're like, wait a minute. Maybe it's about nationalism, ideas on nationalism. And what that means to us as Christians today. How do we interpret the whole idea of nationalism as Christians? What does it mean to be human in a world where artificial intelligence promises self-sufficiency? I mean, I'm complete. I'm, I'm okay with it. A world where globalization and it's good and bad promises a quick fix to social issues like poverty. A world of pantheism whereby everything is God. I mean, it doesn't matter any religious idea can just work with, with, with us, with anybody. One of my college mates back in Kenya, in a university which is considered a Christian, he was, he was a wonderful gentleman. He was, he was a bright young man. And uh, it's interesting to watch today uh, when he's in a group of young guys who are championing a legal process to take away the phrase, all oh God of all creation, from our national anthem. It's been interesting to watch that. We've just been reading about the so-called conspiracy theories on COVID-19, some of which present a competing voice against what the, biblical, uh, the Bible teaches on subjects like eschatology. I guess our conduct is dif different. But don't you think we can relate to the Church of Colossae, which was right there in the fifth century, growing as a young church in a world where 
the divinity of Christ is being challenged. And even things like angel worship, worship of celestial beings, is the order of the day. Well, this is the world we live in. It is our residence. And I would say, welcome to the world. That's where we are. In fact, the Bible says, we are in this world. Even though we do not, our citizenship is in heaven. But when we live in this world, this is where we are right now at this particular time. We are part of the diverse world with all these ideas. We cannot avoid knowledge about culture or religious issues, philosophical issues, political issues, and otherwise. In our ecosystem, we cannot avoid it. We'll listen to these things. We'll walk in a world which is like that. Only that, we do not want to forget that. And as Christians, the end of knowledge, the ultimate purpose of knowledge as Christians is to love God and love our neighbor. Thank you so much, Pastor Matt. It's a, this takes us back to our identity in Christ, our fullness in Christ, the who we are, if you want, our spiritual DNA. Our identity in Christ helps us to thrive and flourish in a pluralistic world. Talking about our identity in Christ, Paul in the letter alludes to both botanical and architectural analogies. He uses the term deep-rooted, build up. For instance, I would say I am fascinated of late. Um, just reading about the sequoia tree, which is dominant in Southern California. And I've also been looking, uh, about the reading about the fig tree, which is, it's, it's, it's very common. We, we read about it in the, in, the, in the Bible, particularly. And I want to believe it's, it's a tree also probably common in Israel. Interestingly, courtesy of Wikipedia, I would say a mature sequoia tree with a height of 200 feet and a weight of 2.7 million pounds, it does not have a taproot system, unlike uh, uh, a fig tree. A fig tree, it has a taproot system, but the sequoia doesn't have, have that. Um, the taproot system for the fig tree, it is very useful because it helps it not only to make sure that this tree is strong, it also gets water and nutrients from, from the soil. But when it comes to the sequoia tree, it, has, it, it, it grows together with other trees. And the root system are intertwined. They are, they are crossing one another. And that helps the tree to not only you know, have the support, because like I said, it is, it is a huge tree but also to obtain nutrients from one another. You know, they share, the trees share the nutrients, and also because the roots are intertwined, and also the support is also shared. Very interesting, very interesting. I've also realized that the tree has bark, a thick bark on the stem. The stem is, is really thick, the thick bark. And this stem, it helps the tree because when fires come, the wildfires come, the bark is able to resist 
is able to protect the tree from, you know, getting destroyed by the fires. It, it, whatever mechanism, it, it protects the tree. And again, when the fires come, actually the fire do something good to the tree in this sense. They help to, you know, when they burn on the, on the, on the seeds of, the, of, the, of these trees, I mean, the seeds, they splash out. And they are all over. And when it rains, these seeds, they come up. So the fire, it's a dispersal aid. It, it helps to disperse the seeds of this tree. Very interesting. Similarly, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which is a bell tower of the cathedral of the Italian city of Pisa, it was built with a height of 185.93 feet and a base of eight feet. And of course, it has uh, 24 floors. It is said to have, been, uh, to have begun uh, to lean at a time when it was, it was being built in the 12th century. So it started leaning. And the reason as to why it started leaning is because the ground where it was, it was built up was soft. It was a soft ground. This continued until uh, it, was, it was completed in the 14th century, and you realize it, it, still, it was still tilted. And actually, in the year 1990, which is not a long time ago, this particular building had tilted at an angle of 5.5 degrees. But then something very interesting that I found out was this building was built with its center of gravity, the COG. At, at the lower part of the building. And the COG, as it is an aspect of where the concentration of the weight is for the building. And, and this is an aspect that has helped the building actually to, to, to survive into what I would term as a period of about, or even over 800 years. Very interesting. This is, the issue of the tree, the sequoia tree, the fig tree, and, and, and the Tower of Pisa has to do with what it is, its identity, what, what, what it is, its nature. Like the Colossae Church, I want to say we cannot escape Paul's exhortation, who we are. And like I submitted, the who we are, our identity in Christ particularly helps us to thrive, and not only thrive, but also flourish in a pluralistic world. I'm talking about our life is centered in him, in Christ. In him, we have been bought, uh, brought to fullness. He is the head of every, over every power and authority. There's no one, no power, no wisdom, no philosophy, which is over Christ, he is above all that. In him, our old self of flesh was put off. In Christ, we were grafted into the family of God. In Christ, we have sonship and daughtership. In him, we were bought at a price. And I say, we don't belong to ourselves. We have, we have an honor. We are honored by someone. We belong to someone. We belong to him. In him, we were imputed with Christ's righteousness. And sometimes I think about that 
I think about, we have the righteousness of Christ just because we came to him, just because we gave our life to Christ, just because we have faith in him, we believed in him, we are imputed with his righteousness when he sees us, when he looks at us. And even when the world looks at us, that is what, that is what is in us. It's a borrowed, I would call it a borrowed righteousness. I mean, we have been given that. It doesn't belong to us. We have nothing to pride but Christ. Our pride is in him. We belong to the club of worship and thanksgiving, like Paul says. We are sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. We have a rubber stamp. It's, it's right on our forehead. The seal of the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit of knowledge. It is the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of power. The spirit of understanding he is the source of conviction, the source of illumination. Even with all these worldly uh, philosophies and ideologies and religious uh, festivals and things that come to us, that bombard our lives as, as Christians, we have the spirit of God in us. He is the helper, the father sent to us through the son. He came to us and he is the one to guide us with all truth. He leads us to all truth. He's able, he conceive, I mean, he's able to, to, to perceive every thought in our minds. And he's able to guide us into all truth. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask. The Bible says the spirit is, 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 is the wind. He blows all over the place. And there is nowhere where he can be limited. He is in the same world where we are. Hallelujah. We are baptized. We died to the old self and resurrected with Christ into newness. We are transformed by the renewal of our thinking. We don't conform to the world. Our debts were canceled. We were circumcised. In him, we were made pure. So that means, by grace, we are in Christ. And there is no other idea, no other thing that can really carry us through. Because we already, we already have a belonging. We, 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 are, we belong somewhere. Paul says that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Wonderful. There is no. There is nothing that should happen. That should make you feel like uh, you don't belong. You're not part of it. You are already there. Not because of you, but because of Christ. And his work on the cross. Then I would say we are a royal priesthood. The Bible calls us a people belonging to him that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are the workmanship of Christ. We are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We give test. We have test in us. Our light shines and it's supposed to shine in the world. That's who we are. Our purpose is to love God and to love our neighbors. When our faith is anchored in Christ, when we make him the point of our reference, when we continually posture ourselves to depend on him as the vine branches depend on the vine itself, then we are under no law, religious, cultural, philosophical. We are under Christ. Through Christ, we demolish every argument, every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive 
every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We no longer fear the world or conform, but we realize we are Christ ancient in the world. We treat the challenges of pluralistic world the same as the forest fires that aid the dispersal of sequoia trees. We see opportunities to embody Christian values and that define our identity. We respect human dignity. We value people, but against ideologies, just like our creator, savior, and the friend Jesus did while he was in this world. We carry in us a prophetic voice of justice and righteousness as we embody and proclaim Christ, the way, the truth, and the life in bold humility. When COVID-19 threatens to render our in-person fellowship obsolete, we tap into opportunities of spirit wisdom, creative discipleship in the virtual space, home churches, personal spiritual development, etc. We embody the work of Christ and a participant in the ongoing work of his kingdom. If therefore, the world, I would say, the world was cleared by Christ, if anything, and it is sustained by him too. Everything in the world holds together in Christ. He was before time and he cannot be defined by time and space. He is supracultural. He is all-knowing. He is the creator, the savior, and the judge of all people, cultures, philosophies, and ideologies. He is the humble savior, a loving redeemer, and he's coming as a judge. Friends, therefore, in our hearts, let us set apart Christ as Lord. Let us be prepared to give an answer, to give a reason to everyone who asks us of the hope that is within us. Let us do this in respect and humility. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that your word will bear fruit in the lives, in the souls of your people. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.